Welcome to Hallel Fellowship, found on the internet at hallel.info. That's H-A-L-L-E-L dot I-N-F-O. We hope you are encouraged by the following recorded Bible study to look deeper into every word that proceeds from the mouth of God and how they were lived out in the life of Yeshua HaMashiach, often called Jesus the Christ. Father God, we thank you and praise you for giving us the words of Torah, and we thank you for giving us all your servants through time to help us to take your words and make them a part of our lives and to take your words into the world. And we thank you for the word made flesh in your son Yeshua, and we thank you in his name. Amen. So, starting out in Leviticus chapter 21. Then the Lord said to Moshe, Speak to the priests, the sons of Aharon, and say to them, No one shall defile himself for a dead person among his people, except for his relatives who are nearest to him, his mother and his father and his son and his daughter and his brother also, for his virgin sister, who is near him because she has no husband. For her he may defile himself." He shall not defile himself for a relative by marriage among his people, and so profane himself. They shall not make any baldness on their heads, nor shave off the edges of their beards, nor make any cuts in their flesh. They shall be holy to their God, and not profane the name of their God, for they present the offerings by fire to the Lord, the food of their God, so they shall be holy. They shall not Take a woman who is profane by harlotry, nor shall they take a woman divorced from her husband, for he is holy to his God. You shall consecrate him, therefore, for he offers the food of your God. He shall be holy to you, for I, the Lord, who sanctifies you, am holy. Also, the daughter of any priest, if she profanes herself by harlotry, she profanes her father, and she shall be burned with fire. The priest who is the highest among his brothers, on whose head the anointing oil has been poured, and who has been consecrated to wear the garments, shall not uncover his head nor tear his clothes, nor shall he approach any dead person, nor defile himself even for his father or his mother, nor shall he go out of the sanctuary nor profane the sanctuary of his God. For the consecration and the anointing oil of his God is on him, for I am the Lord. He shall take a wife in her virginity, a widow or a divorced woman, or one who is profane by harlotry, these he may not take, for ra- but rather he is to marry a virgin of his own people, so that he will not profane his offspring among his people, for I am the Lord who sanctifies him. Then the Lord spoke to Moshe, saying, Speak to Aharon, saying, No man of your offspring throughout their generations who has a defect shall approach to offer the food of his God. For no one who has a defect shall approach, a blind man or a lame man, or he who has a disfigured face, or any deformed limb. For a man who has a broken foot or a broken hand or a hunchback or a dwarf, or one who has a defect in his eye or a sema or scabs, 
or crushed testicles. No man among the descendants of Aharon the priest who has a defect is to come nearer to offer the offerings by fire. Since he has a defect, he shall not come near to offer the food of his God. But he may eat the food of his God, both the most holy and the holy, but only he shall not go into the veil or come out, come near the altar because he has a defect, so that he will not profane my sanctuaries, for I am the Lord who sanctifies them. So Moshe spoke to Aharon and to his sons and to all the sons of Israel. Chapter 22 Then the Lord spoke to Moshe, saying, Tell Aharon and his sons to be careful with the holy gifts of the sons of Israel, which they dedicate to me, so as not to profane my holy name. I am the Lord. Say to them, If any man among your descendants throughout your generations approaches the holy gifts which the sons of Israel dedicate to the Lord, while he has an uncleanness, that person shall be cut off from before me. I am the Lord. No man of the, of the descendants of Aharon who is a leper or who has a discharge may eat of the holy gifts until he is clean. And if one touches anything made unclean by a corpse, it, or if a man has a seminal mission, or if a man touches any teeming things by which he is made unclean, or any man by whom he is made unclean, whatever his uncleanness, a person who touches any uh, any such shall be unclean until evening, and shall not eat of the holy gifts until he has bathed his body in water. But when the sun sets, he will be clean, and afterward he shall eat of the holy gifts, for it is his food. He shall not eat an animal which dies or is torn by beasts, becoming unclean by it. I am the Lord. They shall therefore keep my charge, so that they will not bear sin because of it, and die there, thereby because they profane it. I am the Lord who sanctifies them. No layman, however, is to eat the holy gift. A sojourner with the priest or a hired man shall not eat of the holy gift. But if a priest buys a slave as his property with his money, that one may eat of it, and those who are born of his house may eat of his food. If a priest's daughter is married to a layman, she shall not eat of the offering of the gifts. But if a priest's daughter becomes a widow or divorced and has no child and returns to her father's house as in her youth, she shall eat of her father's food, but no layman shall eat of it. But if a man eats of a holy gift unintentionally, then he shall add to it a fifth and shall give the holy gift to the priest. They shall not profane the holy gifts of the sons of Israel, which they offer to the Lord, and so cause them to bear punishment for guilt by eating their holy gifts. For I am the Lord who sanctifies them. Then the Lord spoke to Moshe, saying, Speak to Aharon and to his sons, and to all the sons of Israel, and say to them, Any man of the house of Israel or of the aliens in Israel who presents his offering, whether it is any of their votive or any of their free will offerings, which they present to the Lord for a burnt offering, for you to be accepted, it must be male without defect from the cattle, the sheep, or the goats. Whatever has a defect, you shall not offer, for it will not be accepted for you. 
When a man offers a sacrifice of peace offerings to the Lord to fulfill a special vow or for a free will offering of the herd or of the flock, it must be perfect to be accepted. There shall be no defect in it. Those that are blind or fractured or maimed or having a running sore or eczema or scabs, you shall not offer to the Lord nor make of them an offering by fire of the Lord uh, of by fire on the altar to the Lord. In respect to an ox or a lamb which has an overgrown or stunted member, you may present it for a freewill offering, but for a vow it will not be accepted. Also anything with its testicles bruised or crushed or torn or cut, you shall not offer to the Lord or sacrifice in your land. Nor shall you accept any such from the hand of a foreigner for offering as the food for your God, for their corruption is in them. They have a defect, they shall not be accepted for you. Then the Lord spoke to Moshe, saying, When an ox or a sheep or a goat is born, it shall remain seven days with its mother, and on the eighth day it shall be acceptable as a sacrifice for an offering by fire to the Lord. But whether it is an ox or a sheep, you shall not kill both it and its young in one day. When you sacrifice a sacrifice of thanksgiving to the Lord, you shall sacrifice it so that you may be accepted. It shall be eaten on the same day. You shall leave none of it until morning. I am the Lord. So you shall keep my commandments and do them. I am the Lord. You shall not profane my holy name, but... I will be sanctified among the sons of Israel. I am the Lord who sanctifies you, who brought you out from the land of Mitzrayim to be your God. I am the Lord. Chapter 23 The Lord spoke again to Moshe, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, The Lord's appointed times, which you shall proclaim as holy convocations, my appointed times are these. For six days... Work may be done, but on the seventh day there is a Sabbath of complete rest, a holy convocation. You shall not do any work. It is a Sabbath of the Lord your of uh, Sabbath to the Lord in your dwellings. These are the appointed times of the Lord, holy convocations which you shall proclaim in the times appointed for them. In the first month, on the fourteenth day of the month at twilight, is the Lord's Pesach. Then, on the fifteenth day of the same month, there is the Feast of Unleavened Bread to the Lord. For seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall have a holy convocation, you shall do no laborious work. But for seven days you shall present an offering by fire to the Lord, and on the seventh day is a holy convocation. You shall not do any laborious work. Then the Lord spoke to Moshe, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, When you enter the land which I am going to give to you, and reap its harvest, then you shall bring in the sheaf of the firstfruits of your harvest to the priests. You shall wave the sheaf before the Lord for you to be accepted. On the day after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. Now on the day when you wave the sheaf, you shall offer a male lamb one year old without defect for a burnt offering to the Lord. Its grain offering shall be two-tenths of an ephah fine flour mixed with oil, an offering by fire to the Lord for a soothing aroma, with its drink offering a fourth of a hin of wine. 
Until the same day, until you have brought in the offering of your God, you shall eat neither bread nor roasted grain nor new growth. It is to be a perpetual statue throughout your generations in all your dwelling places. You shall also count for yourselves from the day after the Sabbath, from the day when you brought in the sheaf of the wave offering. There shall be seven complete Shabbats. Then you shall count fifty days from the day after the seventh Sabbath, when you shall present a new grain offering to the Lord. You shall bring in in from your dwelling places two loaves of bread for a wave offering, made of two-tenths of an ephah. They shall be a fine flour, baked with leaven, as firstfruits to the Lord. Um, Along with the bread you shall present seven one-year-old male lambs without defect, and a bull of the herd and two rams. They are to be a burnt offering to the Lord, with their grain offering and their drink offerings, an offering by fire of a soothing aroma to the Lord. You shall also offer one male goat for a sin offering, and two male lambs one year old for a sacrifice of peace offerings. The priest shall then wave them, with the bread of the first fruits for a wave offering, with two lambs before the Lord, they are to be holy to the Lord for the priest. On this same day you shall make a, con- a proclamation as well. You are to have a holy convocation. You shall do no laborious work. It is to be a, st- a perpetual statute in all your dwelling places throughout your generations. When you reap the harvest of your land, moreover, you shall not reap to the very corners of your field, nor gather the gleaning of your harvest. You are to leave them for the needy and the alien. I am the Lord your God. Again, the Lord spoke to Moshe, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel, saying, In the seventh month of In the seventh month, on the first of the month, you shall have a rest, a reminder by blowing of trumpets, a holy convocation. You shall not do any laborious work, but you shall present an offering by fire to the Lord. The Lord spoke to Moshe, saying, On exactly the tenth day of this seventh month is the day of atonement. It shall be a holy convocation for you, and you shall humble your souls and present an offering by fire to the Lord. You shall not do any work on the same day, for it is a day of atonement, to make atonement on your behalf before the Lord your God. If there is any person who will not humble himself on the same day, he shall be cut off from his people. As for any person who does any work on the same day, that person I will destroy from among his people. You shall do no work at all. It is to be a perpetual statute throughout your generations in all your dwelling places. It is to be a Sabbath of complete rest to you, and you shall humble your souls on the ninth of on the ninth of the month at evening, from evening until evening, you shall keep your Shabbat. Again the Lord spoke to Moshe, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel, saying, On the fifteenth of this seventh month is the Feast of Booths for seven days to the Lord. On the first day is a holy convocation. You shall do no laborious work of any kind. On the se- uh, For seven days you shall present an offering by fire to the Lord. On the eighth day 
You shall have a holy convocation and present an offering by fire to the Lord. It is an assembly. You shall do no laborious work. These are the appointed times of the Lord, which you shall proclaim as holy convocations, to present offerings by fire to the Lord, burnt offerings and grain offerings, sacrifices and drink offerings, each day's matter on its own day. Besides those of the Sabbaths of the Lord, and besides your gifts, and besides all your votive and freewill offerings which you give to the Lord. On exactly the fifteenth day of the seventh month, then when you have gathered in the crops of the land, you shall celebrate the feast of the Lord for seven days, with a rest on the, with a rest on the first day and a rest on the eighth day. Now on the first day you shall take for yourselves the foliage of beautiful trees, palm branches, and boughs of, of leafy trees, and willows of the brook, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. You shall thus celebrate it as a feast to the Lord for seven days in, in the year. It shall be a perpetual statute throughout your generations. You shall celebrate it in the seventh month. You shall live in booths for seven days. All the native-born in Israel shall live in booths, so that your generations may know that I had the sons of Israel live in booths when I brought them out from the land of Mitzrayim. I am the Lord your God. So Moshe declared to the sons of Israel the appointed times of the Lord. Chapter 24 Then the Lord spoke to Moshe, saying, Command the sons of Israel that they bring to you clear oil from beaten olives for the light, to make a lamp burn continuously. Outside the veil of the testimony in the tent of meeting, Aharon shall keep it in order from evening to morning before the Lord continually. It shall be a perpetual statue throughout your generations. You shall keep the lamps in order on the pure gold lampstand before the Lord continually. Then you shall take fine flour and bake twelve cakes with, with it. Two-tenths of an ephah shall be in each cake. You shall set them in two rows, six to a row, on the pure gold table before the Lord. You shall put pure frankincense on each row, that it may be a memorial portion for the bread, even an offering by fire to the Lord. Every Sabbath day he shall set it in order before the Lord continually. It is an everlasting covenant for the sons of Israel. It shall be for Aharon and his sons, and they shall eat it in a holy place, for it is most holy to him from the Lord's offerings by fire, his portion forever. Now the son of an Israelite woman, whose father was an Egyptian, went out among the sons of Israel. And the Israelite woman's son and a man of Israel struggle with each other in the camp. The son of the Israelite woman blasphemed the name and cursed, so they brought him to Moshe. Now his mother's name was Shalomit, the daughter of Dibri of the tribe of Dan. They put him in custody so that, so that the command of the Lord might be made clear to them. Then the Lord spoke to Moshe, saying, Bring the one who is cursed outside the camp, and let all who heard him lay their hands on his head, and let all the congregation stone him. 
You shall speak to the sons of Israel, saying, If anyone curses his God, so he will bear his sin. Moreover, the one who blasphemes the name of the Lord shall surely be put to death. All the congregation shall certainly stone him, the alien as well as the native. When he blasphemes the name, shall be put to death. If any man takes the life of any human being, he shall surely be put to death. The one who takes the life of an animal shall make it good, life for life. If a man injures his neighbor, just as he has done, so it shall be done to him. Fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Just as he has injured a man, so it shall be inflicted on him. Thus the one who kills an animal shall make it good, but the one who kills a man shall be put to death. There shall be one standard for you. It shall be for the stranger as well as the native, for I am the Lord your God. Then Moshe spoke to the sons of Israel, and they brought the one who had cursed outside the camp and stoned him with stones. Thus the sons of Israel did, just as the Lord had commanded Moshe. Okay, well that is the section that we're looking at today. Imor, which uh, covers uh, Leviticus chapter 21 through 24, and Amor means to, to say. And if you want to see the previous studies that we've done on this section throughout the years, go to halel.info slash p31. That's uh, P is in Peter 31, so halel.info slash p31. And see all the studies that we've covered on the various topics of what we're looking at here today. So, today we're going to be taking a quick little recap of Leviticus chapters uh, 21 and 22, and then spending most of our time into a particular section of chapter 23, which is known as the uh, Parashat HaMoadim, or the, uh, the portion or the reading of the, the appointed times. So, what is chapter 21-22 about? I guess you might sum it up to say that it might be talking about the otherness of the priesthood. And that otherness uh, could be described also as holiness, because as we've talked about before, holiness is that which is made separate or set apart or cut off from the rest. Now, this is a for a particular purpose. So, these priests have high standards because the Lord has separated them, elevated them to a high level for a particular purpose, not so that they can be considered you know, awesome and uh, can do no wrong, but so that they can serve a particular purpose. And one of the purposes that you see a lot mentioned in these two particular chapters of Leviticus 21 and 22 is related to the bringing of gifts, bringing of these special offerings into the presence of the Lord. So, we see a number of instructions here. The priests mustn't defile themselves for the dead. They must um, not def- defile themselves with the the corpse. And uh, one of the things that is offered a allowance for is uh, those that a priest can attend to as far as a uh, death, but not for 
there being a <laughs> um, a particular allowance for dealing with the deaths of people outside of the very immediate family and uh, not even into the extended family uh, once your um, especially your daughter leaves the household so one of the other things that uh, it talks about is about when the priests can serve in the, the tabernacle and when they can't serve and who they can marry and who they cannot marry. Again, emphasizing again and again and again that they have to be uh, take their, their role as being elevated uh, very seriously. Now, in, in uh, connection with that, um, you, you see also that the priests are supposed to be also bringing gifts that are themselves honored. Uh, one of the things that we see in here about the honoring of a priest, uh, we see a couple uh, times expressed in the Gospels and the Apostolic Writings. We have a mention of it here in Acts uh, 23, verses 1 through 5, where you see the Apostle Paul he gives deference to a, a high priest that you could say did, <laughs> didn't really exemplify the uh, bearing of a high priest, but he said, oh, okay, I didn't know that you were specifically the high priest. And some people uh, reflect on uh, what that could mean, uh, potentially, since it mentions in the Gospels that there were um, two high priests living at that particular time period that uh, could be brings some confusion to people in the general public or even those in some elevated uh, levels of the um of the sanhedrin such as the uh students of gamaliel who paul was he was his teacher was uh the the great sage gamaliel a member of the sanhedrin that it could bring some confusion as to who was actually in that particular chair nonetheless that when paul heard of it he said okay yes i have to repent back from my behavior now we see something expressed very similar when David d offers that particular deference to Saul and to, to not, uh, as he says, lift his hand against the Lord's anointed, B even though you could say Saul <laughs> was not acting in the great, um, the great leading of his anointing. So that was basically a, a case study in what is mentioned in passing a few times in the Torah about that... Um, yeah, uh, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. So the, David said, okay, that vengeance upon Saul for the things that Saul had done, that was uh, left up to those to, to whom that was uh, delegated to actually deal with them. So one of the, the things that you can uh, say also about the priests is that they were really symbols of the realm of the creator of heaven and earth as we talked about with the with the creation of the tabernacle and how the tabernacles was set up that the tabernacle is expressing this separateness of the creator of heaven and earth that this is the realm of life these are the things that continue on and the realm of the eternal the realm of heaven versus those that are outside of the tabernacle which is the realm of death the realm of the things that uh, decay and don't go on so thus 
you have uh, gold, you have unleavened bread there in the holy place and the most holy place, and outside of it, you've got the, the copper, brass, and the, the things that don't continue on outside of the tabernacle itself. But one thing to also keep in mind with uh, this particular um, that this this particular uh, section that we're looking at in Leviticus, uh, yeah, Leviticus twenty one and twenty two is how it mentions the offerings. Is that the not only were the priests supposed to take particular care in how they dealt with the offerings that were brought in, but you know also those who are bringing the offerings in, the, the people should take extreme care of this. Now, you might say, well, what does that mean for us today with no tam- tabernacle and no temple? Well, this should be giving a little bit of a hint that these particular gifts, as they're expressed um, throughout the Torah and the prophets, and also in the apostolic writings, that these gifts are the part of the the internalness, the the heart of the people, their their inner parts, the their character coming closer to God, who they really are, being transformed in the process and moving closer to the presence of God. So thus, the people who are charged with dealing with this, the priests, should take extreme care and reverence over this dealing with basically the hearts of the people and their cry their desire to be closer to god to take that seriously and to treat that as special to as it mentions treat that as holy set apart it's not just common food this is representing the the will of the people to be closer to god and thus on the on the flip side of that for the people to also take into consideration what they are offering and why they are offering it so that they are keeping in mind that their uh, attention to the details, their attention to what is happening within their heart should also be paying distinct attention and not just treating this as just some okay i gotta i gotta go through this and this and this and uh, get my ticket punched and then go on with my life and into the things that quote really matter unquote no in (laughs) in uh, quite the opposite realm both to the priesthood and to the common people this message is telling us that uh, the things that really matter are the things that are being offered here that is what is really matters because that gets into a problem when both the priesthood and the common people uh, start to um, have a separation between what is happening on, within inside them and the job or the offerings that they are bringing. And that's something that you see railed on through the prophets. Uh, you see examples of that as we've talked about in times past of Isaiah chapter 1, where to the point where you have the Lord say, well, I hate your festivals. I dislike your offerings. Why? Because they are being brought with, um, with not the, the proper heart, not the proper inner, um, inner connection with what it is that they're doing. This is, as gets expressed in the Gospels, 
this is the the realm of the upokrates or the hypocrite the the realm of the actor the priests are playing a role but uh and the people are playing a role but it's not actually who they are because actors are you at their basic sense they are trained and very high qualified if they're the good ones they're good liars because they are representing something that they are not so that is something that we don't want to do is to become skilled liars in how we uh, work in god's service and the things that we present to god in lying to ourselves lying to other people trying to lie to god when that doesn't work because the thing that the lord is seeking is he seeks truth in your guts in your inward parts who you really are inside not the the show and the the facade that you have on the outside the masks that you wear over your whole face or whatever so one of the the things that we see in this is the importance of being genuine being real being transparent both for the priesthood and for the common people and the job that you have and the things that you bring what you're offering so if you have one big lesson in all of this of these two chapters 21 and 22 of leviticus this is a warning both to those in charge of the house of the lord and for those who are approaching the house of the lord is to pay attention to the details not of some sort of a, a magic rite but pay attention to the details of why it is that you're doing what you're doing. And if you lose sight of that, uh, time to get back on the path, to shuv, to turn around and head back in the right direction. So, um, one of the other things that uh, we'll be getting at is looking at Leviticus 23 this moedim or the appointed times of the lord the feast to the lord is how they're described in leviticus 23 that is our next uh, departure so before we go any further are there any thoughts on leviticus 21 22 before we roll on into this particular section uh yes ann yeah um i was um listening and uh, understood that uh, somehow the women would be able to eat the gift. Um, I think that they meant the sacrifice of the of their father. If their father was like the high priest, if right. they were part a part of the close family, not yeah, divorced, but but widowed, a mm -hmm. widowed daughter who's come back to live with her father. Yes. Is is that is that right? I mean, it yes. seems like that was, yeah. Yeah, she no, she has no, she has no one else to go to. No uh, yeah. children that would support her because her children's job was to support their mother, to honor oh, her. So yeah. if she had God, no one, God honored her. God honored yes. her by giving her that privilege of going back to her father's house and. My father would accept her back, and uh, and that would be a yes. Yeah, um, I I was surprised about what he you kept on saying the holy gifts, 
Now, at mm-hmm. first, I was thinking the holy gifts were the items in the in the temple, like the <clears throat> like the menorah or other parts of the temple that were holy. They were holy, but the holy gifts are the sacrifices. So, yeah, these 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 offerings. So that's that's why I was really trying to hammer home the importance for both the priesthood and for those who are bringing the gifts to realize what it is that they're handling, what it is that they're uh, caretaking over, and not to treat these things as just common items and uh, to be reverent over them. So you think of in in uh, today's realm, if you are dealing with uh, people in this, the service of God and uh, people are offering, uh, it, it, you see like in Romans chapter 12 about, uh, about the, the good things that you're doing for the kingdom, you know, caring for people and this and that, that those in charge of the people of God should not treat the, the people's gifts, these holy gifts, as anything less than holy. You know, you'll you can see some people that they get burned out by years of service or this and that, and they treat volunteers kind of haphazardly, or you know, they don't uh, see that they're the the things that they're they're giving are that significant. You know, you look back at uh, Yeshua's uh, example of the woman who brought in you know two. Very small coins, I bet the the minimum level, but for her, that was huge. Her gift was huge. So her gift should be treated as just as holy and set apart as everyone else's big gifts and dropping a serious coin into the treasury. So they're, they're, um, it's judging. God is saying, don't judge others. You know, because their gift is small or what, not to look on others lowly as if they were, you know, like refuse. But also, the the part the part that always got me was, um, you know, about a blemish. You know, yes. you can't come into into the sanctuary if you have a blemish or you're lame or you for you for the priesthood, a, the priesthood, what they're uh, the people who are are specifically uh, offering. Because they are being elevated to a higher level. Now, not everyone is elevated to a high level. So, just like what you see in the apostolic writings where they talk about the um, prerequisites for the different people in their service and the people of, of God, like we call them bishops, we call them, you know, the over bishop overseer, the, the deacon, the servant these particular levels and you see them you're like wow that's pretty exclusionary about you know uh having uh not having uh you know many many wives uh not having children who are wayward keeping your house in order like like wow that's a pretty tall order but you see the role that they have is so extremely important that you're saying okay this has to step up to a very very high level and again, like we were saying with Leviticus 21 and 22, that uh, you are dealing with the creator of heaven and earth, the ultimate of otherness than the way that things on earth go. So thus, those who serve in this role 
have to, as we stay in modern parlance, they have to step up their game. Or you could say their game has been stepped up for them from the creator of heaven and earth, saying, yeah, this is the importance of the job that you're doing. So um, for those that's protect have a particular defect whether it's from an accident whether it's from birth or this and that are they considered less you you see the the answer to that in the particular passage here no they get to you know eat of the gifts as well you know if they are following along with the 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 tahe and the um, the tame and the tahor aspects of the of the unclean and the clean aspects that we mentioned earlier on in vikra they get to partake of it as well but it's just that for the for the service of closest to the presence of God, everything symbolized there has to represent the realm of the the eternal, the the things that are separate from the world of decay and destruction, the gold that is in there, the unleavened bread that is in there. Thus, the people that are in there have to not have any corruption, whether it's by accident or by a genetic mishap. That happens. So everything symbolizes, as it's uh, very uh, close to the presence of God, that otherness that is being uh, communicated to the entire world through the tabernacle. Hope that helps. And it's um, very important as we get into our next topic here in Leviticus 23 of these appointed times, these appointments, appointments to the Lord that they are set apart for some hugely important role and purpose. So just starting out with um, a couple of things related to the vocabulary of this particular passage. We have the Hebrew word of moed, which is translated various ways. The Brown Driver Briggs lexicon uh, translates that as a pointed time, a place, or a meeting. And the derivation of that is thought to be from the Hebrew verb of ya'ad, which means to appoint, to assign, or designate. So, you are saying, what is designated with the term of ya'ad? Now, it could also be thought to derive from the Hebrew verb of ud, which means to return, go about, repeat, and do again. So, if that would be a derivation you could say that that moed is communicating what will happen again what has happened before what will happen again the things that cycle around now another derivation is thought to be from the uh, hebrew verb of aid which is translated as witness or um, something about infer- affirming confirming so if that is a derivation, you moed could be thought to communicate what is emphasized repeatedly. And as you see how moed, these uh, the things that are expressed in this chapter, could easily be thought to be communicating, you know, what is designated, to set apart, um, what will happen again, because these things are recurring year after year, or in the case of Shabbat, week after week. And what is emphasized repeatedly every time it comes along. Each thing is reinforcing a particular idea or a thought. So thus, when you move on further, uh, the Mikre Kodesh, or these set-apart callings out, is what is 
common is translated in this in this particular version new american standard of holy convocations so the uh, these are set apart callings out they're calling people out for a particular purpose uh, that's what we were learning back in the early um the early chapters of the book of Vayikra Leviticus that um, that kadosh kodesh these things of setting things apart for a particular purpose and one of the things that always has to be communicated every time we come around to Leviticus 23 is it starts out talking about these are mode uh, of Yahweh that these are the Lord's appointed appointments they're not Judaism's appointments they're not Christianity's appointments these are appointments to the lord so they are pointed toward the lord the lord calls for them and they're directed back to the lord and uh the interesting thing that we have is and this is commonly brought up um when mentioned isaiah chapter 1 earlier is that wasn't it mentioned there in isaiah chapter 114 that uh they are described as something uh different or other from the lord because uh he <laughs> describes them in a very um you could say derogatory fashion here in in isaiah chapters chapter 1 verses 13 and 14 when it says bring your worthless offerings no longer incense is an abomination to me new moon and sabbath the calling of the assemblies i cannot endure iniquity and the solemn assembly i hate your new moons uh, festivals your appointed feasts and they have become a burden to me i am weary of bearing them and uh some of our brothers and sisters in the the body of messiah will point to this and say well there you go uh, they were good once, but uh, here you have the Lord saying that uh, they have become a weary thing for the Lord, that he doesn't want to bear them anymore. Well, uh, one of the things that we always talk about is that context matters. And some of the things that you see in this particular chapter of chapter 1 of Isaiah it mentions earlier, just a few verses earlier from this, it says, you rulers of Sodom, you people of Gomorrah. <laughs> so, it's something very similar that you see it mentioned, uh, the Sodom is brought up again in the book of Revelation in reference to Yerushalayim or Jerusalem. So, you see that uh, the prophet Yeshayahu and also what's communicated to the, the apostle Yochanan there in Revelation is that the situation the internal the the what's happening in the inward parts the guts of the people of god has become corrupt so that which was supposed to be holy has uh something has gone particularly wrong and so thus when you see it in uh, isaiah chapter 1 verse 13 when it says bring me your worthless offerings no longer we just read in leviticus 21 and 22 what are the worthwhile what are the full of worth offerings so here what we have in isaiah chapter one is a problem with these are worthless offerings they are profane they're common they're made lower so they're not expressing or communicating the world of the higher the otherness the world of the creator of heaven and earth no, these are expressions of the world of the lower, the world of that which is common, not of the realm 
of the creator, not the realm that the creator is looking to draw everyone to, to draw them out of the world of the common, of, the, of that which is headed to destruction, winding down, but trying to draw everyone out to the other, the realm of the, of the holy, that which is set apart. So, uh, some other passages here from uh, Isaiah chapter 1, uh, verse 15, where it says, Yes, even though you multiply prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are covered in blood. So, thus, we have another indication of what the problem is. And as you read the book of Yeshua, you'll see this expressed again and again and again as to where your hands are covered with blood. Especially like when you see Isaiah chapter 58, which is riffing on the Day of Atonement, when it's talking about what kind of fast does the Lord require, it's brought out specifically that, you know, look, don't come to me saying you're fasting and how great that is, which is supposed to be what we just read earlier in Leviticus 23, is supposed to be you're humbling yourselves when you are treating those, you're treating the widow and the orphan and the other people who need help, you are stepping on them. Okay, that is not a humbling of yourself. That is quite the opposite of humbling. You are lifting yourself up to step down on their, uh, on them and crush them. So, some other passages here in um, Isaiah chapter 1, uh, verse uh, 18. Though your sins are scarlet, they will be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be like wool. So, Again, this is an appeal that you see throughout the book of Yeshiyahu. This, okay, you've gone astray, but you can turn around and come back. Realize that you have become red like blood, but you can be washed clean. The Lord can make you clean again. Just like something we saw as in the chapters we read earlier in the Parashat Emora, that you can be unclean at a particular point, but you can move back to the realm of clean again, and then continue your um, your move toward the presence of God. Also, here in Isaiah chapter one and verse twenty-one, it says, "How the faithful city has become a harlot." She who was full of justice, righteousness, once lodged in her, but now murderers. Again, another expression that something has gone completely wrong to bring the Lord to say, I hate your festivals. I don't want to see your sort of uh, convocations coming because you might be coming together, but you're not set apart. You're not holy convocations anymore. These are gatherings of uh, what you think that you're doing something but you're really not accomplishing anything on the process of moving closer to the creator of heaven and earth and as you see expressed there in isaiah chapter 66 verses 22 and 23 something that we we read on each new moon it's expressed that from one new moon to the next and one from one shabbat to the next that all mankind will come and bow down before uh, God. So, this is not something that the Lord was saying, okay, that was plan A, now we're moving to plan B, and we're going to move on with a completely different era, because all those old things have passed away. Like we've seen a number of times with the 
the prophecy of the new covenant found in Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 through 34. The problem was not with the law of God, with the instructions of God, the words of God. The problem was with the hearts of the people. So, what is the promise? For a new heart and putting the Spirit of God within them to blow the people into the right direction so that they are moving toward God and not away from God. So hopefully that helps as we look and we see, okay, uh, there, there can be times where the people of God, both uh, the, those who are in the service of God and also the people who want to get closer to God, how uh, they can get way off the rails, so to speak, in their service if they do not recognize the whole goal of what what it is they're doing you bring your gifts of your of yourself you're really bringing yourself that's something we saw when we looked at the beginning part of the book of Vayikra, leviticus chapter one and expressing all these different offerings that are being brought you're really bringing yourself and thus the leadership those who are entrusted to take these gifts and bring them toward the Lord's presence, they have to also see that they are bringing the hearts of the people and in their service, they are really bringing themselves as well. So both the priesthood and the common people have to recognize where, what it is they're doing and make sure that they, as they do, uh, do a gut check and figure out where their guts are really at. And if they need a uh, gut transplant, so to speak. <laughs> so now moving on to the the various modim, we've we've looked at this before, but this is always a good time for a refresher on uh, Leviticus twenty three because um, most of the modim are captured in here. We get the the others um, we'll be looking at in the next uh, Torah portion and also with the, the new moon is in another place as well. But with these particular um, annual and weekly appointments, we have the Shabbat and the Messianic fulfillment of that is in the kingdom of heaven. So we've seen that in Hebrews chapter 3 and chapter 4 really hits that hard that entering his rest is um, emblematic of the the promised land and also of the kingdom of God. So that is something that Shabbat reflects as entering into the kingdom of God, entering into his rest. And the uh, Chag Pesach or the uh, Feast of Passover, the Messianic fulfillment, you see it with uh, Yeshua's death and resurrection so you've got the covering of sins transgressions and iniquities which as we've noted is also a theme of yom kippur so thus the lamb who takes away the sins of the world you see that that um, dual role of pesach and yom kippur the passover and the day of atonement playing together as a dual bookends of uh, god's salvation uh, history and present and future. And the Omar, the Bikarim, uh, this, uh, the first fruits, the Shiv, the, the wave offering, um, emblematic of the resurrection of Yeshua, that where it meets its, its fulfillment in timing and theme, because Yeshua is called what? 
and is the first fruit of the resurrection. So that hammered in again that this is something that is a part of the great harvest of the earth, as it's expressed in a number of the prophets that way. Uh, Hag Shavuot, which is coming up here soon, the Feast of Pentecost, another way of expressing that. And we see its fulfillment especially in Acts chapter 2, which is uh, something we'll be um, seeing and what the expressions are related to Shavuot here shortly in greater detail. But this being having its great fulfillment there in the Messianic era with the giving of the Spirit and as we just mentioned with the New Covenant prophecy that's a, part, a key part of the New Covenant is a change of heart so the laws of God are written on the heart and then the Spirit of God put in there to make that happen. Something that the Apostle Paul gets at as being essential in Romans chapter 8. Is that, that it's essential to have the Spirit of God to be able to take the words of God and have that be a true thing that happens in your life and not just a bolted on thing from the outside that uh, doesn't really lead you anywhere except you know you realize okay i don't compare to the law of god so i'm condemned well no that is something that should say okay i don't compare to the law of god who can save me from this body of death that's what romans chapter 7 is about so romans chapter 8 says okay you've recognized you don't line up with the with the ways of god you need to be different. You need to, that old part of you has to die that was not compatible with the words of God. And now that you are made a new creature through the death and resurrection of the Mashiach, now you're moving on into a new realm and the Spirit of God is, is now taking the words of God and bringing them into action and blowing you in the right direction. And again, um, uh, when Yeshua was talking about uh, with with uh, Nicodemus there, he was mentioning that, hey, you know, the Spirit of God blows people this way and that way. You don't, uh, you don't know where the wind is going or where it's coming from, where it's going. But one of the things that you do know with the words of God in there is you know if you are being blown in a direction that's leading toward God because they line up with what the words of God say. So thus you're not, uh, as the Apostle Yaakov says in James chapter 1, you're not tossed back and forth trying to figure out where it is that you're going from one idea or one teaching to another. You know that you're actually on the right course if you have the words of God saying, okay, you're, you're being blown in the right course. But as you see in the Gospels reflected in the, the great sage we mentioned earlier, Gamaliel, he even had to recognize, and it's recorded in the book of Acts, that, hey, s- some of the ways that the Spirit is blowing may not be the ways that we were really um, thought that the, that was going to be blowing into, but if they line up with the words of God, we shouldn't be fighting against that, saying, hey, God is not doing this. Well, if it lines up with the way that the, the words of God say, we have to be ready for <laughs> heaven's course correction on our lives because uh, it may come quite unexpectedly. So, 
I, I remember many times with my uh, very amateur sailing days that if you weren't paying attention to the way the wind was going, you got cold conked with the uh, with the boom. <laughs> when the wind direction changed and whoop, you weren't prepared for it, and you either ended up in the drink, um, falling over the side, or you got the uh, boom hitting you in the head. So, um, I, I would say probably the the boom to the head was 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 not as uh, not pleasant, but falling into uh, forty five degree water was not pleasant either. So. <laughs> Uh, going on with our comparison here of the uh, these Moedim with their Messianic fulfillment. Uh, Yom Turu, the day of blowing trumpets, uh, a.k.a. Rosh Hashanah. Uh, the Messianic fulfillment seen with the last trumpet of Yeshua's return. Something you see expressed there in the book of Revelation where it goes through all the trumpets. We just talked about that recently in going through uh, Yom Teruah, but also in Matthew 24 talking about the, the trumpet. And also the Apostle Paul also talks about the trumpet as well. And uh, Yom HaKippurim or Yom Kippur, the, the Day of Atonement, that lines up with uh, what is known as uh, Judgment Day. It's also a huge topic of the book of uh, <laughs> the book of Hebrews, letter to the Hebrews. It consumes a, a large portion of that particular book, um, almost going from uh, chapter four on through chapter ten. That's really what <laughs> the topic of that is. And also factors in um, in a big fashion in the book of Revelation as well. Uh, Chag Sukkot, or the, the Feast of Booze, the Feast of Tabernacles, that's also an expression of the kingdom of heaven. But this is the kingdom of heaven, you know, fully realized where you have the dwelling place of God being among mankind. That's something that was prefigured with the tabernacle being in the midst of the people of Israel with all the tribes uh, camped around it. And it's something that is expressed in uh, the end of the book of Revelation where you see the city of God descending and you see it, dis the, it described that now the dwelling place of God is amongst mankind and that being the, the true light of the nations. And wrapping things up here with our look is uh, in Shemini Atzeret, which is the assembly of the eighth day, which is what we uh, read about in, in Leviticus 23 as being that eighth day after the, the, the first day of the festival of Sukkot. So Sukkot starting on the, the, the middle, starting on the full moon of the seventh month and the 15th day of the seventh month and going through the 21st day. And then that uh, 22nd day, the eighth day after that is uh, tagged on right to the end is Shemini Atzeret, uh, figuring on eight um, a lesson in that of, of things that have reached their top, have reached their seven, reached their fullness, reached their completeness, and then flowing over the top of that in, into the eighth. So, those being the, the great topics of that, um, looking specifically, we're going to touch on, on uh, the weekly Shabbat here. Uh, specifically, and then move on into more specifically about uh, Shavuot or Pentecost. So in Leviticus 23.3, it, it talks about the Sabbath of complete rest. And the um, 
the highlights of this that you find throughout the word is that Shabbat is a weekly memorial to, so it's a, a reminder of, and also a something that uh, emphasizes important aspects of our Creator, of the the God of Israel. And you see it first expressed there in Genesis chapter 2 and Exodus chapter 20 in the Ten Commandments, where God is the creator of the heavens and the earth. And that being expressly said, that is why it is set aside and hallowed, made holy, um, sanctified, because that is what it's a reminder of each seven days. So also a reminder of the, that the God is the creator of Israel through Abraham. And representative God to the nations. That also God is the provider of our daily needs, our daily bread, and that uh, expressed in Exodus chapter 16 with the institution of the cycle of the manna, that daily bread that would come each day, and it would come in its double portion on the sixth day, because there would be nothing on the seventh day. But the thing that's expressed there is that the Lord is going to provide every day and that he's going to provide double to carry you through a time of rest and reflection on the creator, on the one who's the provider of the daily bread there on the seventh day. And in the retelling of the Ten Commandments found in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 5 for that second generation coming out of ec- the Exodus and heading into the land of the promise there in Deuteronomy chapter 5, we see that it's expression that God is the liberator from slavery and the obstructions between God and mankind. So that being a weekly reminder that of God as the one who provides liberty, which is going to be an important topic when we get to Shavuot. And we see also in, in Exodus chapter 31, uh, something that we we reflect on with the song that we have connected with the Shema each on Shabbat is in Exodus 31 verses 13 through 15, we see that God is the sanctifier, the one who sanctifies us, the one who sets us apart from this wayward world and sets us there into the kingdom of heaven and also um, enlists us in the service of drawing other people into the kingdom of heaven. And in the Gospels, a number of examples of this, uh, that we see that the Mashiach, that you know, Yeshua is the healer of the body and also of the heart, of the, of the heart connection to God and the ultimate uh, high priest of Israel. And that this Shabbating, this rest, the stopping, is the stopping of the disconnect between heaven and God. So that's, that's truly a part of what that rest is, is that you are no longer struggling against heaven. You are entering the kingdom. And that expressed in a number of uh, places, uh, John chapter 1, chapter 7, Matthew chapter 12, Mark chapter 2, Matthew chapter 12, Luke chapter 4, and as we mentioned, Hebrews chapters 3 and 4. And as we mentioned earlier, with the um, something we read on the new moon, Isaiah chapter 66, verses 22 and 23, that 
God is the recreator of the heavens and the earth. So, something that is uh, wrapped up not only in the Shabbat, but also in the, in the new moon was where you get a clue that of God as the recreator, the one who um, will renew things, the Hadash that um, restores and brings things uh, back to the way they're supposed to be. So, thus you get with the weekly Shabbat, there are a number of different layers of reminders, memorials, uh, things that help us in our cycle and getting closer to God of what Shabbat is all about. A lot of different levels of them. And as we look at them, um, none of these have become irrelevant. None of these have become obsolete. Rather, they just keep gaining more and more and more significance and especially more significance in the Messianic era. So, now going on into our next section that we're going to be taking a look at, this new, the festival of the new grain offering that's described uh, in Leviticus 23, verses 15 through 21. It uh, is called Shavuot, or for weeks, uh, Pentecost, uh, from Pentecoste, which means uh, 50th, and that's how it's expressed in the Septuagint and in the Gospels and in the Apostolic Writings or in, in Acts chapter 2, that this 50th day is uh, something very significant. And one of the things that I'll be discussing a little bit today, uh, someone was bringing this up here recently with this uh, reflection on it, and I saw that was 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 a was a great and very profound uh, connection between these various things between the Shavuot and between the Yobel or the Jubilee and also as we'll see here in a moment between the entry of Israel into the land there at uh, Jericho or Jericho so something very significant you'll see between especially between the Yobel and also Shavuot a important connection that connects it with Sinai because you have the the tradition that's that's come down through the rabbis that the uh, that the Torah was given on Shavuot and there are some uh, chronological things that you can see that could suggest uh, that you have this happening just shortly after the third month begins so you get the uh, 50 days, it kind of looks like it happens within that particular realm. But you see a, a key theme that comes between Shavuot and the Yobel and the conquering of Jericho that seems to also indicate, especially since we have the apostolic record of the giving of the Spirit, the Spirit coming with power on a particular Shavuot right after <laughs> the death and the resurrection of the Mashiach, that seems to really indicate, okay, there is a serious connection between the giving of the Torah and uh, the, the reminder that we have of Shavuot. So Shavuot, amongst its other roles of describing, kind of like I have it illustrated here, about bringing in the, the, the harvest, bringing in the first harvest of the agricultural year, that this bringing on of the first harvest is not just about grains, not just about agriculture, but it's about people. 
similar to what Yeshua said about, you know, looking at the fields being ripe for the harvest, but the workers for the harvest are being few. So, let's uh, take a look at some of these particular things here, uh, that the language of Shavuot, the directives that we just were reading about in Leviticus 23, is connected to the Yobel. So we'll be looking at Leviticus 23 verses 15 through 16 and compare them with actually something we'll be getting out in far more great, greater detail likely in our uh, next um, Torah reading in Bahar. Uh, that's in Leviticus 25 verses 8 and 9. So this being a preview of coming attractions, uh, put it that way. And if you want to see lots of studies that we've done on uh, Bahar and Bahotai, which is usually the, the double header um, Torah portion we get in a year like this one, uh, you'll find that, that at uh, halal.info slash p32-33. So those are the, the parasha numbers. The parasha number 32, parasha number 33. So halal.info slash p32-33. And you'll see lots and lots of studies and recordings and notes and such that we've done uh, for well over a decade on uh, that particular passage. So, moving on here to Leviticus 23, verses 15 and 16, a little refresher. You shall also count for yourselves from the day after the Shabbat, from the day when you brought in the sheaf of the wave offering, there shall be seven complete Shabbats, or Shabbatot. You shall count 50 days to the day after the seventh Shabbat, then you shall um, present a new grain offering to the Lord. So, what we'll see as we move on to our next passage that you'll see a number of uh, references that are <laughs> uh, nearly identical, no, uh, nearly identical wording, identical vocabulary, etc. So, next passage here is uh, Leviticus 25, verses 8 and 9. You are also to count off seven uh, Shabbatot. Uh, of years for yourself, seven times seven years, so that you have the time of seven Sabbaths of years, namely 49 years. You shall then sound a ram's horn abroad on the tenth day of the seventh month. On the Day of Atonement, you shall sound a horn throughout all your land. Okay, so you've seen here counting off seven Shabbats. So something very similar that you see in both of those accounts. You see the counting off uh, for yourself seven complete Shabbat Shabbatot. You see in talking about the Yobel uh, seven Shabbatot again. So seven times seven of years related to the Yobel and seven seven Shabbatot, seven Sabbaths. They're talking about uh, Shavuot. So Thus, you see that there is a lot of language that's very similar between those in the language of both Leviticus 23 and uh, 25. So let's uh, move on and just take a look at some of these other connections here. That there's a connection there between the sounding of the shofar for, uh, to dis- declare the start of the Yobel and the sounding of heaven's shofar to declare the ending of the revelation of the ten words at Sinai and the sounding of the seven shofars at Jericho. 
and we'll take a look at compare the passage we just looked at there in Leviticus 25 verses 8 and 10 or 9 and 10 sorry and Leviticus 19 verse 13 and we'll take a look at uh, Joshua chapter 6 verses 4 and 5 so going back to the passage we looked at before and uh, Leviticus 25 Verses 9 and 10. You shall then sound a ram's horn, a shofar, abroad on the tenth day of the seventh month. On the day of atonement, you shall sound a horn, shofar, all through your land. You shall thus consecrate the fiftieth year and proclaim a release through the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee, a yobel, for you. And each of you shall return to his own property, and each of you shall return to his family. Okay? So we, we see there Shofar, uh, talking about ram's horn, and uh, also the Yobel. It talks about it being a jubilee for you. So Shofar is a general Hebrew word for a horn. Yobel, specifically talking about a ram's horn. Now, here in the New American Standard, you'll note that they translated ram's horn from uh, from shofar but generically shofar just means a horn a yobel is more specifically a ram's horn because it's um entomologi- entomologically related to the uh the uh it's a canaanite word that is also related to ram so talking about horns so but they're a number of derivations from that. So we'll move on to our next passage we'll be taking a look at here in uh, Exodus chapter 19, verse 13. It says, When the ram's horn, the Yobel, sounds a long blast, they shall come up to the mountain. So this is the instructions. There, This is the getting ready of the people to come up to the mountain. This is the same context where it, uh, the Lord is saying that he is setting apart Israel to be a nation of priests. So this being a general commission saying that all of you are in the realm of Israel are going to be in the some realm of the Kohen of, of bringing in offerings to God. But as it goes on, some of those will be separated off for a more specific Roll closer to the heart of God. And this is thus when you get the the line of Levi or Levi, and then also in specific subset of Levi being the family of Aharon and his sons, continuing on being the high priesthood. So, moving on from there, oh, uh, just something to note back in Exodus uh, 19.13 that this gets fulfilled this aspect that we just read in Exodus 19.13 about the ram's horn sounded a long blast they shall come up to the mountain. So that ram's horn is Yobel. That's the Hebrew word that's translated from there. And this horn actually gets blown is recorded as being blown right after the reading and the recounting of the ten words there that's recorded in uh, Exodus chapter 20. So in 20 verse 18, you see that this um, this blast is being uh, sounded out. And uh, in Exodus 19.12, it's important to note that Moshe was instructed to put up a barrier around Sinai, and there was the command that the people were not to go up sightseeing, going to catch a glimpse of God, going up the mountain under uh, penalty of death. 
So that was also part of the instructions there leading up to the 10 words that expressed in uh, Levitic, uh, Exodus chapter 19. So moving on to our next passage here in Joshua chapter 6, verses 4 and 5. Also, seven priests shall carry seven trumpets of ram's horns uh, before the ark, and then on the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. It shall be that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, or in this case it's translated from the Hebrew word of uh, karen, uh, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, or the kol ha-shofar, the voice of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, or torua hakatala, or torua gadala, so a great blast, a great sound, and the wall of the city will f- fall down flat, and the people will go up, every man straight ahead. Now, uh, <laughs> just... Yeah, this is, we could say, a complete uh, coincidence of language. Um, but you have something that's being expressed today with uh, everybody talking about uh, that's talking about people who are known as a Karen or someone who likes to tattle, to likes to make accusations against people, and they uh, cast a bad word. They are accusers of the brethren, so to speak, or people who are talebearers about uh, behavior that they don't like. So that, you could say, is a Karen of the flesh. Rather, we should be a Karen of the kingdom, a horn of the kingdom which instead of trying to accuse people bring accusations bring them down bring them into subjugation we should be what proclaiming liberty proclaiming freedom proclaiming the kingdom proclaiming freedom proclaiming that hey there is a better place to go in life why don't you come with us so just a a Interesting little happenstance of uh, two different languages, uh, same kind of sounds, but being somewhat of a good reminder of how we should be and how we shouldn't be in the world. Moving on back to our discussion here today, that uh, it's a very instructive uh, aspect that you have at the end of this where it says that you shall um, and back to Leviticus 23 verse 22 where it says you shall not reap to the very corners of your field nor gather the gleaning of your harvest so one of the key lessons that we have in there is not just um, not just you could say um, a form of being of uh, philanthropy or charity but also you could say, not just with your resources, but also with the words of God, that we should not want to hoard the Lord, so to speak, to make these festivals just something for the clique, the in crowd, to make these words of God something for the initiated. These are something that we should be leaving and really inviting people to come in and reap these corners of the Lord's field, the the produce that the Lord is providing in this. So, something else to see with the uh, this new grain offering, uh, the last sort of connection there between uh, Shavuot, between the uh, Jericho, and between 
the aspects of uh, the Yobel is that you see the connection of seven times seven. We just saw that in uh, Leviticus 23 that you have seven complete Shabbatot plus one day. Now with the Yobel, you have seven complete Shabbatot of years, so seven complete, they're called Shemitahs, these uh, sabbatical years plus one year. And then with Yeriko, you've got these seven Yobelim, these seven uh, voices, these trumpets, over seven days plus one Teruah Gedalah, or these great shout that comes at the end. So you got seven times seven voices on the seventh day with the great shout at the end. And thus you see also connections between the declarations of rest and, rec- and restoration with these. With Shavuot, you have your, the initial uh, remembrance of bringing in the crops of the land that's remembering that the Lord is the maker of the sun, the water, and the plants themselves. And also that this is a land that the Lord has provided. And interestingly enough, you have in with the Yobel, you're declaring a liberty from debt, both monetary and of servitude. So freeing those people who have debts, freeing those people who are uh, indentured servants, they're working off their debt, and also liberty uh, from this detachment from your land. The, uh, you've sold your part of your inherited land, so at the end of the Obel, uh, things get reset back. And as we will go into that in our next Torah lesson, there's various aspects in there to make sure that uh, people are understanding the, that uh, the, the loopholes are not there to exploit people and to stop looking for the loopholes in the Lord's instructions. But you see also at Jericho that this, uh, this is really the declaration not only to the people of, of God who are partaking in this, but also to the inhabitants of the land that uh, the land was being restored to its original owners. That this promise that was made to Avraham, Yitzhak, and to Yaakov, and going even back to the time of Noah, and even back to the time of Adam, that there that this uh, seed of the woman would be the one to crush the head of the snake, that this, this um, planting of the seed, so to speak, there in the land was going to be fulfilled, and that that would be the center point for the restoration of the world. Which then makes it very fitting that we've, we've seen that there's a lot of um, number connections, there's a lot of thematic connections between Shavuot and the Yobel, that you see that there is a connection also that the Apostle Yaakov brings out in his letter in chapter 1 of James, verses 23 through 25. For if Anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. So thus, you see, uh, it a great connection again by the apostle that this is something 
that is a part of a a regular remembrance that the role of <laughs> the role of every believer is to be connected not only to the words of God, not only to the Spirit of God, but to the life of God and the life of the kingdom. And that we as a nation of priests should not take our role lightly, not not take it uh, just um, incredibly flippantly in what it is that we are doing in our role, but also to keep in mind the important aspect of what we're bringing the role we have and also what we're bringing in to into the realm of of uh, the kingdom of god and also the important role that we have in being the message to the world around us to hey come into the kingdom of god so that is where we're going to wrap things up here today all right well, we'll close things out here with prayer. Father God, we thank you and praise you for giving us the words of your servants over such a long period of time. And we thank you for giving us a picture of what it is that you're doing. And as we look forward to this time of Shavuot here, we just ask that you you teach us how to be great workers in the harvest that you're doing in the earth. And that we can join in and really bring in a bountiful crop for your kingdom and father we thank you for also proclaiming to us the law of liberty and guide us in learning how to how to be free in your kingdom freedom through the removal of the debts that we've loaded up against ourselves and father we just thank you for all of these things in the name of your son yeshua amen You've been listening to a discussion at Hallel Fellowship. If you would like to hear more discussions or if you have any questions, visit the website at Hallel.info. That's H-A-L-L-E-L dot I-N-F-O. Hallel.info. Hallel.info.